Join Global Genes and the Orphan Disease Center at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine for the annual Rare Drug Development Symposium, June 6th and 7th in Philadelphia. The symposium will focus on the drug development process and is designed to connect, educate, and inspire rare disease advocates. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org forward slash RDDS. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Raphael Pharmaceuticals is focused on developing therapies that act on the metabolism of rare cancers. Its lead drug candidate, Divimistat, targets enzymes that are involved in cancer cell energy metabolism and found in the mitochondria of cancer cells. We spoke to Sanjeev Luther, president and CEO of Raphael, about the company's lead indication of pancreatic cancer, its drug discovery platform, and why it's focused on rare cancers. Sanjeev, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me, Danny. We're going to talk about Raphael Therapeutics, its efforts to develop drugs that target cancer metabolism, and how your approach might lead to safer and more effective cancer therapies. Listeners may not be familiar with the name Raphael, although the company has been around for some time. In 2017, it changed its name from Cornerstone Pharmaceuticals to Raphael. Why the name change? So, a uh, very good question. Uh, the real reason for name change was we were t- sort of changing, you know, like uh, uh, turning the page over. It was a very R&D focused organization, really uh, didn't think about, you know, this drug is good, let's commercial, perhaps we can commercialize this drug too. So, I, I, I became the CEO and the new management came and the new investment came too at the same time. So, it was sort of turning the page. And we very, you know, the company's whole focus is to to a certain degree, hope is what we go after. And Raphael, as you know, is uh, angel of the five angels. Raphael is angel of healing as God heals. So part of that whole uh, turning the page was a different mindset, a different focus, and patient became number one versus just doing a research inside the company to get excited with the scientist. So it was just a different, just a change of. Uh, change of change of the guard. Let's put it this way. You know, Raphael's targeting enzymes that are involved in the energy metabolism of cancer cells. What's the case for this approach? The cancer metabolism has been around for a while. I mean, it's nothing brand new. I mean, it was hundred years ago when Warburg effect. People talked about it, but uh, you know, people went to chemo and then the IOs and the targeted therapies. But cancer metabolism is actually a natural, uh, you know, place in, in cancer because cancer metabolism. And the idea is that it has been known for nearly a century that cancer cells have a unique metabolism. As you know, for a layman, the cancer cells multiply a lot faster. So the metabolic rate of a cancer cell is much, much higher than a healthy cell. And that's why people who have cancer some lose a lot of weight, uh, look very weak. It's partly driven by that, right? 
so that becomes substantially altered. So that metabolic rate gets substantially altered in the in the in the course of emergence of a malignant disease, which could be either blood cancer or solid tumor, because we are on both sides. So the this altered metabolism of a cancer cell is considered to be fundamental to the transformation of normal cells into cancer cells, and is believed to be uh, conserved in most, if not all cancers, including solid tumors, as I pointed out, and lymphomas and leukemias. And that's one of the reasons after pharmaceuticals in all three of them. You know, we have trials in solid tumors like pancreatic cancer. We have trials in lymphomas, which would be like uh, Burkitt's and uh, T-cell. And then we have trials in leukemia, which is uh, AML and MDS. Because that the approach which I'm talking about is uh, agnostic to tumor type. So uh, let me just stop there. What role do these processes play in the proliferation and spread of cancer? Well, you know, so so our drug uh, have these two targets. Uh, so let me just go a little bit back. So this hallmark which I was talking about, metabolic transformation, includes uh, diversion of metabolic resources for anabolic purposes, right? So supporting creation of biosynthetic intermediaries or building blocks. And those building blocks are these two targets we have, which is um, uh, KGDH and P, uh, PDH. So very unique to this drug, CPI-613, those two targets. And by the way, those two targets that hit the TCA cycle in the mitochondria. And because it's a metabolic drug, is able to identify in the TCA cycle, which is a cancer cell, which is a normal cell or healthy cell, I would call it. And then it hits directly the cancer cell. Now, one thing which is very important to understand is that a lot of the cancer metabolism drugs don't many times work by themselves. I always use this analogy for non-scientific people. You know when you go out to do barbecue? And with cold barbecue, which is the real barbecue versus gas barbecue, the cold never lights up right away. So what do we, we put lighter fluid on it, right? So same analogy, the coal in this case is CPI-613, and the lighter fluid is the standard of care, the chemo drug. Like in our case, pancreatic, we use falfurinox, or in AML, we use satyramine mitoxandrol. So they are like the lighter fluid. You put, you combine that lighter fluid with the coal, and, and, it, and it lights up the fire. Once it lights up the fire, you can reduce the dose of the cancer metabolism of the chemo drugs. So that albumin binding property of CPI 613. Because as you know, all these standard of cares are called DDRI drugs, and they have an albumin around them. CPI-613 binds with it, and then hits the cancer cell because it's a metabolic drug. Whereas, as you know, the um, the uh, chemo drugs cannot differentiate between a healthy cell and a cancer cell. And that's why when you see those patients get sick after getting a chemo because it's hitting your entire body, actually. How difficult is it to target the mitochondria of cancer cells? It's not at all difficult uh, because the drug, we have, we have looked at the radio-label drug and we can see how the drug flows. So not, not at all because that's the mechanism of a cancer meta- metabolic drug that it hit, goes right into the TCA cycle, hits the mitochondria and is able to identify the uh, healthy cells versus uh, non-healthy cells. Your lead experimental therapy is Devimistat, which you're looking at in combination with chemotherapeutic agents. What is Devimistat? So CPI-613, which is, so INN name is Devimistat, but the, the code name of the drug is 613. And CPI, by the way, stands for Cornerstone Pharmaceutical Link. So 613 
also has a story behind it. I should quickly tell you. So like Raphael 6.13 comes from Torah. And it's supposed to mean actually for cure. Well, that's what that translates to in Hebrew. That's 6.13, you know. So 6.13, as I pointed out, it's a lipoic acid analog. Okay? And it has these two targets called KGDH and PDH. Uh, and so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, so these are two enzymes, basically KGDH and PDH, which then work in the TCA cycle. And because of this multiple targeting approach, and uh, that's how it's able to have a longer duration of responses. So th- this drug has a much longer duration of response than any drug out there right now in pancreatic cancer. Um, you have a, disp- a response rate of almost 10 months. Uh, of this drug. Uh, progression-free survival of this drug is much higher because of those dual targeting in the TCA cycle. You know. How does it work to make cancer cells more vulnerable to chemotherapeutic agents? In limit, it, I think that's what I was trying to say, that what it's trying to really do is it's actually trying to hit them and basically slow the metabolic rate so that it turns back into normal. Or it hits only the cancer cells and it stops them from multiplying. You know, how the cancer, uh, you know, basically expands is that those cancer cells continue to increase. And their the, the job, uh, the CPS-613 job is to stop that growth rate, you know, basically. You know. One of the challenges with cancer cell therapies is having off-target effects. How specific is Devimistat to cancer cells? So the safety profile is very, very good of this drug. In fact, we don't really see any additive uh, uh, toxicity compared to whatever is, is of the chemo, chemo drug. So there is absolutely no added toxicity of this drug. So the so the side effect, is, your answer is, does it does it have any uh, decay or side effect? The answer is actually no. Yeah, of course there is some, and it's very minimal. So if you have a lot more dosing, so you do get some diarrhea and vomiting, which is the same as you get for the chemo drugs, you know. One of the challenges with cancer cell therapies is having off-target effects. How specific is Devimistat to cancer cells? I would say both, actually. And uh, and let me explain that very quickly. It is um, strategic, and it's also um, uh, how the drug works. So let me talk about the strategic nature. As you know, we are the only company, uh, oncology company globally now with five orphan designations. In fact, we're going to get three more. So the actually company will have eight orphan designations this year. And we have two in Europe, and then there is one being applied in, in Japan now for, for PANC. And the, and the reason behind that was that our focus was, remember this Raphael Pharmaceutical, CPI 613, the focus was to go after rarest of the rarest, toughest of the toughest, because of the mechanism of CPI 613. Because it is agnostic to tumor type, it responds very well in the mitochondria, and as people get older, the mitochondria does get uh, compromised. So if you look at the company strategy, you have rarest of the rarest, which is Perkitz, relapsed Perkitz, which is about six, 700 patients in the U.S., all the way up to colorectal, which is about 100 plus thousand patients, right? So, so Perkitz, smallest, clear cell, the next smallest, T cell, the next, MDS, the next, AML, the next, and then comes PANC, and then comes colorectal. So that is a very clear strategy, a step approach. Let's go after the rarest of the rarest where nobody else is there. So in Burkitt, Raphael Pharmaceutical is the only company which is doing a trial in relapsed Burkitt right now. Nobody else is doing it. Clear cell sarcoma. No other drug works today. 
CPI-613 plus hydroxychloroquine. Of course, you would hear a lot about hydroxychloroquine these days because it seems like it hits the coronavirus too. But anyway, we have been working with hydroxychloroquine for years actually with CPI-613 because the, the combination of the two drugs causes autophagy and it works very well in PSL sarcoma. So there is a trial the company is about to start, which FDA actually pushed us to do it actually to a certain degree because there's a patient advocacy group which put a lot of pressure on the FDA because there's enough data out there which talks about CPI-613 in combination with hydroxychloroquine for PSL sarcoma patients. Okay. So you can see that how strategic as well as the MOA of the drug sort of has taken us there. And based on that, I've sort of stayed in that uh, area, and the, co the company as a whole continues to develop drugs to be in that area. Harder to treat uh, uh, cancer. That's where our focus is, and then that's how the area of the rest came into the picture, you know. How broad a potential does Devimistat have? Can you apply the same underlying approach of targeting the altered metabolism of cancer cells and other cancers more broadly? Yes, and uh, there is uh, activity of this drug in lung. Uh, there is activity of drug in RCC. But the strategy of the company is to stay uh, focused in um, uh, often the designated area with this drug. But we do have follow-on compounds, and uh, if they come to fruition, uh, perhaps we would look uh, more broadly. But for CPI-613, given its name, given its uh, origin, we have decided that this drug will always be used in rare cancers only, you know. Let's talk about pancreatic cancer, which is your lead indication. This is an orphan indication, I suspect, because it's so deadly. How common is it? How deadly is it? And why is it so tough to treat? Right, right. So great, great three questions. So number one, that it is, it is not as common that are 56,000 patients in the U.S., who get, uh, you know, pancreatic cancer, and a very large percentage of them die within a year, more than 40,000, right? So it is orphan. Uh, the uh, the uh, survival rate is only 4 to 5%. Um, and so that's, yep. Now, the next question that why is it so hard to treat? The reason it is so hard to treat is very simple. People never come to know they are stage 1 or stage 2 or stage maybe 3, most of it, it's called silent cancer, and it's the fastest growing cancer right now worldwide. Because by the time you find out, you go to see your physician, who then sends you to an oncologist, you have stage four metastatic, which is where we are right now. I mean, that's where our trial is. So most of these patients, by the time they find out, it's too late. There is very few patients who find out that they're a stage one, you know, pancreatic cancer patient. If they're stage two, stage three, maybe surgical intervention comes. So the company does have a new adjuvant trial where they first treat the tumor because it's local, which would be then stage two or stage three. Local, they hit it. And if, it's, uh, if the tumor dies, then they surgically remove it. And there is a trial the company is doing right now, a phase two program right now. Uh, the challenge is 90% of these patients end up stage four. So it's very hard to treat because very aggressive and too late by the time it's picked up, you know. What do you know about Devimistat from studies to date? So, you know, of course, there's a phase three program running, but there is a phase one. There are two phase one completed and one two phase two is running right now. Based on that, what I can say about Devimistat and pancreatic is that it, at least based on the data we have to date, not a phase three program, that it doubles 
so the response rate of uh, overall overall uh, response rate of uh, chemo was 31% sulfuronox. In our trial, it doubled, 62%. Then the uh, PFS, progression-free survival, six versus 10 months. And then OS, which is the overall survival, which was only 11 months in bank, in uh, sulfuronox, we have 20 months. So what I do know is that when a CPI 613 is added to standard of care, it does show a significant um, positive upside in all endpoints in that disease, you know. Given that you're recruiting patients for orphan indications, how challenging has enrollment been? Yeah. So for pancreatic, it has not been that difficult. And the reason for pancreatic has not been so difficult is, is that because there is no other trial. Raphael Pharmaceutical is the only company which has a phase three, stage four, frontline metastatic trial right now running globally, right? So that's not has been as difficult. Where the difficulty lies is in these rare birth uh, kits, uh, clear cell sarcoma, T cell. And the reason it's difficult is because they're very aggressive diseases. So for example, a birth patient, the survival, when they relapse, so not frontline birth but relapsed birth survival rate is only 30 days. So by the time they even come to an institution where the trial is running, Usually it's too late. So very hard to recruit. Even when you recruit them, by the time you give them first or sec- second dose, they're over. So the biggest challenge has been with the rares rares is to find the patients and to find the patients, so if you do find them, they're healthy enough to at least get three, four cycles of your drug to show some response rate, right? What, what happens usually is by the time they show up, they're so bad that you give them a dose and they and they're, you know, they're over. So biggest challenge with the rare disease is finding them and then treating them in a timely manner, you know. Has the COVID-19 pandemic complicated your ability to recruit patients or conduct studies? Yes, I have started to see that now. In fact, we have been in conversation with the FDA, and in fact, they just issued a guideline yesterday, actually, or day before yesterday. Yes, I've started to see for the first time this morning, because we do an update every morning at 9.30, that the in screening patients, because that tells us how many patients will be randomized into a trial. For the first time, I saw a single-digit in-screen number. I have never seen a single-digit in-screen number. So yes, it is having an impact uh, now in the U.S. too. It started in Europe, like for example, Italy. You can't recruit anymore. Uh, you cannot recruit anybody in Spain right now. Israel just went down on lockdown this morning, complete lockdown. So my answer to that question, it is having a huge impact enrolling and then following these patients because a lot of the sites uh, have closed monitoring you know so we have to do remote monitoring or things like that uh, but the company is fully prepared because we started to see this in Korea because our trial is both trials are running in Korea right now so we had a very good insight into what happened in Korea and how they were managing so the company took a little bit step ahead uh, and started to manage the other markets so for example in Italy uh, we com- quickly um, uh, stopped the enrollment so that we don't even get into the issue of monitoring, you know. Uh, we came to Germany, quickly stopped it, right? Now in U.S., uh, we are looking at alternatives. And um, yeah, the answer is yes, but the company is, has at least taken some steps to overcome those problems. And the FDA has been very uh, collaborative in helping us out, you know. Well, what's the timeline for the study and when might you expect results? So, you know, the pancreatic trial is uh, 75% enrolled as of this morning. So we have... 
enrolled 377 patients as of this morning, which is out of the 500. So from that point of view, we are, you know, we are at the finish line, almost at the seventh inning, as you would say in baseball, right? Um, so from that point of view, I don't see a huge uh, timeline issue, at least today. Now, I don't know what happens next week um, if there's further lockdowns and so on and so forth. Uh, but so far, we have stayed on track. Is the expectation that you'd commercialize the Vimistat on your own, or would you seek a partner? Uh, it could be any of the above uh, at this point. Sanjeev Luther, President and CEO of Raphael Therapeutics. Sanjeev, thanks so much for your time today. Danny, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The BioReport, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.